Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Queer Tokyo podcast. My name is Vidal, and I'm the global head of audio at Bookwire. This is a new podcast about digital publishing through the lens of NFTs, crypto, and blockchain, where every week we dive into this new and fast moving world, looking at how authors and publishers and creators can take their first steps in creating and making digital originals and NFTs. And today I'm joined by our co founder of Bookwire, Jens. Hi, Jens. Hey, Videl, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you? Good, good. I'm just missing John. We have to apologize because he can't, he can't be here today. Yes, he can't be here today and he's very sorry, but he will be back. Don't worry. He'll be back soon. And in the meantime, I think we took a break last week, um, but we are really excited because we have a very interesting guest this week. And kind of the theme will be talking about Something we touched on before, but this is kind of in a different way about stories and value-driven systems, I guess I would say, and culture and community and really lots and lots of different things. It's a very multi-layered episode, our guest. I hope everyone enjoys the interview or the conversation. I think maybe we'll just go straight in and listen to our today's guest. Let's do that. We're really, really happy and really delighted today to have our guest. And especially because, I mean, I think our audience is pretty international. We're kind of international. We have uh, Jens and myself today. We're in Germany, in the UK. And we're joined, joined today by our fantastic guest, Nesma Bensalem. And Nesma, you are at the moment in Mexico City, right? I am. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome to the Queer Tokyo podcast. It's really great to have you. Thanks for your time. We've been chatting a little bit about about what you've been doing in the NFT space, and you have a very particular kind of, I think, a very unique approach to it. And we'd love to just talk a little bit about how you see that whole world developing, how you came into it, what are you bringing into it, and you know, you have you've done some really interesting projects which kind of marry technology and creativity, which is this kind of special, well, that's the that's the good zone when you can do those things well, I think. And that's in a way why we're all trying to figure out what are the great, what is the potential of NFTs for creativity and, and for Creatokia, which is uh, the platform that we've created at Bookwire. We're kind of talking to book publishers, but in a way we're talking to all kinds of different creative people about how to tell stories. And, and I think we are... Uh, because we work a lot with um, authors and publishers, we all, we always have this idea of, you know, the importance of storytelling. And so, yeah, we, we'd love to talk to you about your own views about all of that. And maybe as a kind of opening question, I mean, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and you have kind of really inter international mix and just, yeah, tell us. No, thank you guys for having me. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I, I think that uh, it is a pretty interesting link and that the questions that you asked me to think about were quite meaningful to me. To give an introduction, I'm originally French-Algerian, but I grew up a bit all over the world. My mom is a diplomat, an economist specialized in development and poverty issues. And so I quickly find myself moving from uh, different countries early on with both circumstances such, by example, as the, as the 90s in Algeria when there was the rise of terrorism and there was a big exile of the intellectuals, my uncle being a journalist, that was targeted and condemned to death by the terrorists. So that created the first exile and the first uh, uh, spread of my family. And uh, later on, my mom working for the UN Development Programme, uh, we moved from Algeria to France, to Ivory Coast, to Senegal, 
and then later on uh, to Washington DC where I went to high school at the French high school there. And so this profoundly like impacted me and the way that I saw the world because very early on I got exposed to so many different cultures and socioeconomic landscape and that were quite contrasting and different. When people ask me about my experience, uh, I always say that some of the of the best quality or attributes that I see in myself come from that ability to have been exposed to such a diverse like range of environments. And I especially hold close to my heart my time and experience in West Africa and Ivory Coast and Senegal. And living in countries like Ivory Coast and Senegal taught me values such as you know, community such as solidarity and as well like that, you know, matter what you have, there is always something to celebrate and to share with someone else. And so I, as much as I wanted to believe that economical abundance and growth equal to happiness and to a healthy social system, it wasn't necessarily the experience that I was having. I actually thought that loneliness and some sense of this dissatisfaction was more prevalent and that people in their individualism were not necessarily happier. And so that for me was a, a really big starting point in catalyzing my, my reflection on the world. So I believe there's something to learn in all of these places and there is an exchange that can be immensely rich in that process. So I grew up within all of this change and all of this movement as well in books. Like literature is actually my first love. So I really got into it. Books and stories and literature really carried me um, in life. My mom started reading me stories and, and, and reading me books before I was able to read. And then I just kind of continued. And there was something in these stories that just allowed me to completely dissolve in the external world and to enter this new world, which actually gave so many tools and references to understand the one I was living in. So I have quite a big library and book collection, and I always say that they're, more, they're my most cherished possession. And I really do find myself in them and believe that the, they have immensely helped construct my identity and my way of approaching the world and even where I am now. So that was my entry point in thinking about like shifting narratives. Uh, I was always a writer, especially like in French. So using writing as a vehicle, you know, to share what I had learned, you know, through my experience and to be able to communicate that and bring people together and grow. My French teacher opened up a cinema class when I was 16, 17, and we had to write uh, a script in that class about society of today, yesterday and tomorrow. And so I wrote uh, a story around the struggle of identity of second-hand Algerian immigrants in France, which was like a big topic at the time. Our scripts ended up being submitted in this international screenwriting contest, and I ended up winning the first prize. And so that allowed me to see film and the experience that I had as a vehicle that brought a lot of the arts that I love, such as like writing, like music, like photography, into a medium that was more accessible to the whole. Later on, I studied cultural studies and film and TV production and went to NYU for Tisch with the idea of writing and directing films with social commentaries, but using fiction because I believe that the power of story and the power of fiction storytelling is that it allows us to connect 
and to transcend this illusion of like separation and then blurring that line between us and the other in order to have an emotional connection, I believe was the center of a feeling called empathy, which I had a lot of. And so I believe that empathy was what drove me to be intrinsically motivated to be a part of creating positive change or to be a part of the conversation or that development. It's totally fascinating. You've obviously had this really, well, I think it's fair to say kind of unusual upbringing and the way stories have resonated with you and your your love of reading and stories. Um, I guess with the best of stories and people, it kind of makes you curious and discover things that you don't know about different worlds, but maybe also sounds like for you, it's also helped connect things and to try and find the things that are in common when you've lived in these very diverse places and, and been exposed to all kinds of things. Some of them pretty unsettling, it sounds like, but uh, I, I get this strong feeling that you have a kind of optimism about uh, about the nature of humanity and the role of storytelling that seems to be like coming across quite strongly so that's an amazing kind of foundation and I mean the bit that I'm fascinated by is also kind of the next part which is which is how kind of technology kind of rolls into it and what your thoughts are around that and especially because when you talk about value systems you can talk about cultural value systems which are tens of thousands of years old and now we can talk about economic value systems and legal value systems and financial value system and we are kind of fascinated about um, the emerging world of technology and nfts and be great to hear from you a little bit about how you are how you were kind of introduced into that world maybe or what got you interested in in that world and i know you've been working on some really special and interesting projects so tell us a little bit about that yeah, um, so for me, really, the core of my work and how I wanted to, to contribute to society, right, was to find these ways to bring culture and community together through stories and experience, right? So that would be the starting point that I believe if, like, I was to crack down the code of, like, what gets you to care and what gets you to act, you know, and what do you need that's kind of the incubator to that. So as I started to see how can I have a wider impact, how can I use immersive technologies as tools for empathy? And so in 2016, my friends were, were leaving the big animation studios and were starting this, uh, this VR like production company. And so I was really thinking about like the power of these technologies to make the brain have such a visceral experiences that it really like integrated as real. And so VR, AR, these types of immersing technologies were the starting point of my reflection. And I started conceptualizing both, both kind of championing certain social issues such as the refugee, like crisis, or as well in terms of like meditation and uh, well-being, or how can we use these technologies for people with PTSD or trauma, just kind of uh, really thinking around these spaces. And so started collaborating on a, on a few different projects with my friends, just as like a start ending ideation and kind of see what works and what doesn't work. And then I went to a panel talk that was given in New York at the Assemblage. And the topic of the panel talk was, uh, the artificial intelligence in the future of humanity. The speakers of that, of that panel talk was Deepak Chopra. 
and was Mogadat, that was the ex uh, Google X chief officer. And there was a quite an interesting conversation. At the end of the talk, someone made a comment and I felt like I had an answer for them. And so I made a comment back, which actually was pretty long. And like my roommate says, it could have gone both ways, good or bad. But it turned out to, to have a really good resonance and effect, both with the audience and with the panel talk. So after a lot of people came to talk to me and I got the opportunity to talk with Deepak, and to share with them, you know, that I had been conceptualizing around these topics and that I would love the opportunity to exchange. From that started, uh, now it's going to be in July, four years, a four years kind of journey, collaboration, friendship, and in some ways mentorship from Deepak and I, both exchanging writings, articles that I wrote, developing different concepts around these topics of like well-being, like meditation or like creating spaces of experience. And it's been really great. He's someone I, I really appreciate having in my life. I believe that he walks his talk. And so to connect that with the stream of life, the project that we released in September where he did the voiceover, pandemic happened in 2019, so end of 2019. During most of the winter and then most of the spring, we were kind of this in this bubble and this incubation phase where a lot of things had been halted and the world was kind of at a pause. One day, one of my friends that I went to school with, Jake Sainer, so really amazing cinematographer, I saw commented on the post that Deepak had uh, had published and saying how much he loved them and his philosophies and what he was sharing but that he thought that his visuals could be uh could be augmented in order for the viewers to really have that transcendent experience that he his words carry and so basically if we i i offered i was like you know i know deepak and we've collaborated and been friends for a while if you want you know we can, i can probably just like talk to him and ask him to give us a quote you know, or of um, or a poem, and then I can conceptualize around it, and we can collaborate and do like a passion project, and then show uh, what we're talking about and uh, what we have in mind. And so he was into the idea, and uh, I contacted, but he was coming in the next week, so that was our window of opportunity in order to do that. So I contacted Deepak, who uh, who was open, you know, to the collaboration. And uh, I asked him to give me a quote or a poem. And he gave me a quote from the stream of life from Rabindranath Tagore. And the quote was, the same stream of life that runs through my veins night and day runs through the world and dances in rhythmic measures. And so I thought that that was super evocative, you know, and that it was actually like a great place for me to start, you know, and to conceptualize and, and flesh out that world. So I looked up the, the poem. I knew Rabindranath Tagore, but I didn't know that specific poem. And so I expanded into the whole thing. And I was like, wow, this poem is actually quite, uh, quite emotive and, uh, and has a lot of like different layers of, uh, of metaphors and of visuals that can be, that can be developed and worked on. And so I started from that. And I had kind of like a week, crazy week to conceptualize. I create my mood boards, cast. All of the performers, location scouts, you know, and then like have Jake and have like, I think two and a half days to shoot it. And we had no budget. We hadn't been working too for a couple of months with all of the things 
uh, with the pandemic being so halted and tight. And so Jake had some 16 millimeter film that was left from past shoots and had this like 16 millimeter, like World War II camera that we used to, to use and shoot back when we were in school that he had acquired for like a hundred dollars. And so we're like, okay, we can really work with that aesthetic feel and like that. So we're going to make a creative choice to use this and to shoot the film. And then we'll be able to, to work with what we have. Somehow, thankfully, because of the amazing community that I have around me, I was able to inspire and mobilize a whole troop of wonderful performers and dancers uh, to, to bring this story to life. And so I conceptualize it around movement, nature, and spiritual symbiosis. So how nature is a part of us and we're a part of nature. And so it was a wonderful journey, definite stream of life, of a production and adventure, bringing people from all types of connections and, uh, and parts of the community uh, to come together and do that. And so I'm very grateful for them and for having believing in me and in the vision and um, for having a part of making this such a, such a special piece. So this is a little bit the process and, uh, and the idea behind the project, the stream of life. Thank you. I mean, I think the process is really, really interesting. And, and just from that, from that meeting that you had, that chance meeting at an event with, with Deepak, who's obviously a hugely influential author and a thinker. And then also how you, yeah, your inspiration and where it came from. And I, I'm also thinking about, well, you used all these different elements and, and it's kind of, it's multimedia, right? In its, in its true form. And so, I guess, um, Jens, you're probably thinking of the same question that I have maybe, which is I'm super curious, which is like, what is it now? Where does it exist? Because I think there's an also kind of NFT element to it, if I'm right. We'd love to know more about that. So we're definitely developing that, yes. So the film is available and can be seen Deepak. We released in partnership with Deepak in September. So it was distributed all over his channels. If he he did an in, like a, a presentation like where he talked about how we live in this interconnected ecosystem, but that the emotional story that allows us you know to really integrate that is lacking, and so that the stream of life was that anthem and that emotional story that we needed in order to really make a difference in the world and including a difference with issues such as climate change. And so this can be found through all of his platform as well as on our website at wecareimpact.com and on our YouTube channel, We Care Impact. We have been exploring and talking to different partners about how we want to launch and release the NFT collection. We have exhibited and premiered during our Basel in partnership with NFT Blue, both a certain, you know, um, NFT pieces, you know, from the film that are mixed from like 16 millimeter stills that were grabbed, you know, from the movie to some art collectibles and some on still, uh, on set photography. And mm. as well, I had another NFT exhibition called Woman, a fluid expression, which mixed both like, which explored like the feminine, you know, like nature through archetypes such as the moon, woman and water. But for the stream of life, we really believe that like engaging community and resonating with them both through the narrative, you know, and through the conversation that the piece was bringing was the most important, was the first step. 
So it's really about like moments like this, like exhibitions or podcasts where we get to talk about it and like what it means and then people get to experience it. And then through that connection, you know, be motivated again to want to hold a part of it, to participate. And the idea will be to partner with charities that we're vetoing right now. They're fighting for against climate change or ocean preservations and to funnel parts of the proceeds to them and their initiatives. But also I, I work and I move very like in depth, you know, and like connecting the dots, you know, as I understand them and strategically and influencing like human behavior and incentivizing positive action as being like a central theme. Like I mentioned started from me with the experience of different narratives and with um, and with empathy, but then needed the real implementation of change. Let me ask you. I, I just have to interrupt here because I'm so interested in the tech side of your of your story. Because you said you've already like investigated on AI and VI technology, and as I understood, with your deep passion for like making the world a better place and, and finding ways to connect people. I'm sure you found some like, like use cases in AI and VI that you wanted to explore, but in particularly talking about NFTs, I mean, where did you first run into NFTs and what did come to your mind? How NFTs can contribute to, to that mission? Because I mean, I've been carefully listening and you are truly on a mission and that's fascinating. To, to, to listen to that. And you could say that technology has not done so many things right in the past. I, I mean, technology, well, it's not evil in itself. It's just what you make out of it. But also with NFTs, there's a lot of controversy out there. Is that just like, you know, an investment asset boom hype? Or is it really about infrastructures being changed and like projects being developed in a different way and money being distributed in a in a maybe more fair way uh, among creators and authors so i mean what's your view on that how did you run into this and what was your what's your hope around nfts that's basically my question thank you for asking it's definitely been a mission and definitely been a journey and all of these have kind of influenced where i am now so technology is both you know these vr ar immersive tech but it's also the internet you know and social media and all of these different tools that we're using and we have had quite a digital and technological revolution in the last like, 20 to 10 years so blockchain nfts or we're just another you know another tools within that technological aspect and as you mentioned yourself It can go either way, like anything in life. You know, I believe intentional design is really the key. And so as I saw these immersive technologies or these fintech technologies or different tools, you know, like emerge and grow, I started thinking that they were going to grow and continue with or without me. And that I just had to figure out like which role I wanted to play in it, which then started these types of reflections. So with NFTs and the blockchain, I was approached when I did the stream of life mm -hmm. about turning it already into an NFTs. So we had taken it with uh, Deepak's team to Super Chief Gallery, which was the first like NFT gallery in New York. And they were interested and we had spoken about potentially doing uh, an exhibition with them. So that started kind of bridging on a personal note, both the artistic and, and, uh, and 
new technological tools. And so I started to get into it and to mm -hmm. try to understand, you know, both its utility and the way that we can leverage its application. And so I think that the interest came both that there was indeed a big cultural trend that was happening that gathered a lot of intention, which was a great space and podium to leverage important issues and narrative. So this is indeed like an important part of that. But the technology behind the NFT itself is by itself very interesting, whether it is about the non-fungibility or about just the smart contracts that are being encrypted and the possibilities that this has to disrupt the industries that uh, you know we're currently evolving in and working on. And instead of creating a traumatic disruption, how can we embrace that change, embrace that innovation and that growth and create something that will serve us better? How can we use these technologies to rethink our systems, you know, our economies, you know, our relationship with intellectual property, you know, or with community. So these things started to be entry points for me as well to think about. And so both interested in leveraging NFTs in the cultural power and technological powers for social impact. And as well as, you know, leveraging the power of blockchain and other tools, even like a social token, which uh, we recently launched to help construct both that culture and that system of engagement. Tell me about this uh, social token. So I really love the idea of combining what you've been like searching for the last years, I think, on your journey with your passion about literature and culture and community and like bringing The, the dots together, as you said. Tell me about the social token. What does it mean? And what is it good for? Thank you for asking. Yes. So as I was mentioning, I've always been thinking, how can I contribute to influencing human behavior or a system in a positive way? The entry point was culture, right? Getting people to care. That's why my company is called We Care. Mm -hmm. The idea is like me flipped upside down is we. So I understood that I care. I had empathy and I was intrinsically motivated to make a difference because of that. So how do I get other people to care? So I was like, okay, stories, experience, narrative are the entry point to engage community. But then you need the real implementation of action, both on, you know, on a systemic level and on the individual and community level. So then started conceptualizing that around the creative productions that we do, we partner with different NGOs and create like tangible like actions or activations where people can be active participants of that change at whatever level they're at. So by example, we did two weeks ago, we did a partnership where we did a beach cleanup in Siancan, which is the biosphere in Tulum, Mexico where we had over 75 volunteers. So we picked up 600 kilos of plastic off that beach in an hour. And then partnered with Petgatch, who has this initiative in Mexico where they turn plastic into biofuel. So really to create kind of like that sustainable, like circular, like process. And so the idea is that around this creative production, we have this tangible, both like community activism, and we want to reward these behaviors. So we want to reward them. And the idea with the social token is that as a holder of the WeCare 
token, you become part of this impact-driven community. Mm-hmm. And so you are part both of kin-minded people that you can connect with and learn from and partner and collaborate on different projects from. But you can also get engaged in these different issues and, and participate at different levels and get rewarded with that. And so we're building our whole redeemables of what through our wide ecosystem of partnership in order to really add added value for our community. And so for those that will do it, token or not token, it's great, but we just want to add like extra value and reward. And for those that, that would help push, then we want to help bring them into this impact-driven culture and community where they can be part of the solution and make a difference. So that's kind of the idea where our social tokens is to positively reinforce and incentivize behaviors that make a positive impact and to create an impact-driven community where people can connect, collaborate, and eventually as we're talking gains value, vote on different entrepreneurial projects in emerging countries or anywhere really in order to fund that with the tokens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Super interesting. What I like is actually it's, it, I mean, you're the first person in our podcast that has a, that comes from literature and has a literature background, but you know, you took this uh, NFT thing and, and you're making something, well, totally new out of it. And I think that's to share my fascination about NFTs. Uh, this is, this is really what, what technology should you know give us right it should enable us to do things that haven't been possible before and i think this teaming up with people it sounds sometimes it sounds a little bit ridiculous that nfts make it easier because you could easily say well we can we can meet other ways you know we don't need an nft to form a community but somehow it is a different type of foundation and i i'm seeing so many nft projects that are not so commercially driven but they are so community driven to to make an impact and i i, I think that's a good example and i'm really excited how this develops and what your experience will be building up a community based on like-minded people that share your vision and then how tech really can contribute to that because finally it's not about tech it's about you know it's about what we want to do with it it's about the mission And right. I think we can use the application of these technologies in different ways. You know, my particular channel and approach is through these social impact lands, community culture bridging. But uh, NFTs and social tokens have the power to really transform and they already are, you know, the way that we engage in a whole slew of industries like with music creators, you know, like artists, you know, it allows them to remove the middleman and to have a smart contract, like encrypted, where they are able not only to get royalties, but they're really able to put in all of the data that they want that piece to hold. And because it is on the blockchain, it's not going anywhere. And because it is on the blockchain, it has the right tools, the right technological tools to enable the, the storage of all of this information and to enable mm-hmm. its connection and communication. And the fact that it's decentralized allows that, allows for that as well, you know. So I definitely think that as well as in social impact, in terms of the relationship that whether a brand, a company, an artist or a celebrity will have with its community, this will completely change the game. 
And the difference between social tokens and NFTs, just to like share a little bit, is that NFTs are like non-fungible tokens. That means that each token is unique and that it has not the same equal unit value that with another NFT, which also plays in terms of like art or collectibles in its interest, you know, in acquiring. And then obviously it's interesting for the artist or for the creator because it allows them to be part of the process from beginning to end, you know, in the, in the way that they're, that they feel the most like fit to. Social tokens, you know, act in the same way that stable coins in which that each token has the same value as like the other token. And so that allows for it to be traded. Like it allows them to be treated and transfers in a way, you know, that you can have like a measured like unit of value and you can build in the tokenomics of it where like NFTs is more unique in its own sense. So they have two different applications and how they will be used and how they will sustain will mainly depend as well of the different protocols that are being developed right now in order to really ensure, you know, sustainable mm-hmm seamless like flow of interaction i personally think we will see a lot of use cases outside of uh, apart from those use cases we are well the media talks about today and i've recently talked about about this with the scientists uh, who is convinced that for example data publishing in science will will be a totally different story based on blockchain because people around the world will be able to collaborate on certain data that they've gathered together and contribute back and so this will be like you know a totally different system rather than scientists sitting in their i don't know rabbit hole somewhere working on something then giving this to a a publisher that publicates it and then it's going to be quoted some you know it's totally complicated the old system so Even though I don't know too much about science and the process around it, I found this fascinating to see, okay, this is another use case that will probably be possible on the blockchain. And I mean, you wrote it, I think, on your website that you're convinced that this is not going to go away. And we're using this term very much, very often, because even though we all don't know exactly, and, and we see the weaknesses, of course, around security, and also I think one of the weaknesses maybe probably the, like the, the hype around it also. But this is this is how technology always starts. I mean, this is and at some point you will cook it down to something. This is what is really useful, and then I share also your like idea about like better shaping it rather than just you know watching it. I would like to ask you something completely different when it comes to literature. I mean, you love to literature, and we talk about ebooks. That hasn't been such a big revolution. I mean, an ebook is a digital book, and it's available everywhere. It's on your device. It's it's quite a good thing, but it's you know it's it's still a book. So talking about something that is really original, like a digital original, things that we at Creatokia are thinking about, can you imagine, I mean, it's just a personal question, I mean, a digital original, like a book or something from an artist, uh, from an author that is meaningful to you, do you want this in your life? Is that something that uh, would contribute to your life? Would you love to get some some pieces? Do you own NFTs, art NFTs or Do you think it's, are you focusing totally on the community and the social aspect? No, I, I do have some art NFTs, you know, and collectibles that are from artists that I love and that are support, you know, or from projects that I also really believe in. I think that, you know, when you guys approached me and I researched a little bit what you were doing within pioneering the NFT, like 
literary publishing space. I thought that was pretty interesting because honestly, that was not the first application that I thought of. I think that you have something interesting because you are thinking about it in the right way. But I believe that you're thinking about the potential of the tools to be transformative and to be early adapters of it in order to benefit for them and to to continue creating added value for your consumers and your audiences. And I think that's very smart and that indeed there's a lot of these different tools within the blockchain that will be relevant, you know, for the literature and publishing industry. Where my thoughts right now are going is both how do we create like a library, let's say, of digital originals from the classics, you know, that we've had. Because issues such as like intellectual property and ownerships varies as well, depending different industry. I know for the music industry, this is also a big topic. So I think that really learning like you're already uh, exposing yourself to different thoughts and ideas and really understanding how these technologies have the potential to be implemented is going to be the key denominator to the success and growth of that whole industry. And uh, I'm interested as well to see how it can shape added value from the for the writer's community as well as the reader's community, because you've pointed it out accurately. Like there was a revolution with eBooks and started about in 2010. And as much as I appreciate flexibility of travel, like of an eBook and things like that, I'm a little bit old school in terms that I still like books, you know, and I still like like actual uh, printed materials. However, I think that NFTs don't have to make that exclusive. You know, you could still have a physical item like a book, but your digital ownership would be an NFT and will live in the blockchain. And mm -hmm. what that means and how that creates value, then that will depend on, you know, the company, the publishing, you know, uh, the publishing company or the person that's encrypting in these smart contracts. Yeah, basically the added value of having that. So I think it's going to be interesting for new writers and new works and able to really track the spread of, uh, of their works on a, on a wider global audience and have data that is aggregated that will allow us to have a deeper understanding of the power of literature and the power of these stories on a global scale. It's, I think it's a podcast that could be entirely dedicated, you know, on that. And we would still have a lot to talk about because nobody has fully the answers right now. We know that we have potentials and tools and that we are playing a role into creating and shaping how we're going to be able to use them, implement them and create values for others. Nazima, that's a great way to, I think, maybe kind of wrap things up. I and mean, we've had such a good, interesting, wide-ranging discussion and very, very multi-layered. I hope our listeners find it as interesting as I have and Jens has, I'm sure. It's great. So it sounds like, in a way, the story is only just beginning and the stream of life is one project. I'm sure you will have others. Um, but thank you so much for sharing, you know, the story of its genesis. And also, you know, the super, the really interesting thing is this relationship we live in a world of technology and technology is um it relies on our creativity to make it come alive and it's an enabler and 
in a way it's not really i mean it is about the technology and we're here to talk about it a little bit because that's what we're involved in but at the end of the day it's about what comes out of it and it's what you put in which is all about the human element so whether that's storytelling or whatever creativity you have so you've you've really kind of helped us understand your perspective as a maker and a really interesting maker you know with your background and different understandings of languages and culture and what connects us and what separates us so very very interesting i just want to ask you one question too that i think is interesting for me to know and learn a little bit more and continue to follow and support your journey as well which i think is very interesting right now i create tokyo while we may not have all of the answers what is your hope to bring to the community in terms of of added value where where is your starting point in crafting that i think it has like creatokia is just one try to make use of blockchain technology in publishing and i think i mean publishing is about bringing stories to people and i think it's a new way it can be a new way of shaping stories that people want to have in their life enriched with like a little bit of technology but finally it's not about the technology i don't know if you've had this feeling of buying nfts and how much you've wanted something to have in your i wouldn't say wallet I, i'm always saying in my life because my wallet is just you know that's just a tech button on my screen but actually i, I want to be part of things and what i really hope is that creatoke engages people to be more part of a community of a certain product of a certain story because it's so easy to participate to build something on that like token that can be access to special events that can be access to certain types of community rooms in discord i mean but that's just the beginning i i think it could bring people together in a new way and i think i mean you point it out so well how important literature is for the world and that's one of the reasons why i think me and also videl are working in, in in this business i've i've worked in music i've worked on both sides of like you know the business as an artist and as a as a manager and i'm convinced that i i don't want to be too idealistic here because of course i'm running a company that's a commercial thing and that wants to earn money and make sure that people have a living that work here and make us be successful but i think Creatoka can really make a difference in how people engage with literature and that's what it's all about it's it's about making also young readers still be interested in in that fascination of stories and well start start listening reading dreaming or whatever about literature and if if Creatoka and the technology can contribute a little bit to that great and then of course I mean, the commercial aspect of it will somehow have a place in this vision too, but it won't work without people wanting it. So all I know about the creative business is that you cannot create a, a number one hit, a number one story by just bringing up the best people together and say, just make a hit. It's not working. So it's always something magic about it. And I'm expecting something magic to happen with stories, literature, blockchain in a mix. Well, I definitely think stories are multidimensional and through that we have the power to add on, you know, to its world and to its value to the reader. I think that the mission you're embarking on is definitely a mission with a worthwhile intent. I also think that literature 
should not be something of the past and that should not be substituted for short segments of digital information. And I think that has as well a profound impact. So how can we make it more relevant and bringing it, make it more accessible into people's life and, and draw from the richness and knowledge that it brings us, I think is, uh, is very important. I'm glad that someone is uh, embarking upon that. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys grow and keep on an exchanging and potentially even being a part of that movement. Thank you so much. Maybe in order to help like demystify the process as well from a publishing company, there's a lot of conversations there about how NFTs are helping remove the middlemen, right? Whether there's record labels or uh, publishing companies. And I think you guys are, are doing something quite um, avant-gardist by positioning yourself not in, in this uh, undermining way, but by like, no, we can still support them. We can change and evolve and give you a service that will still be of value to you. And so I'm interested just both as a writer, you know, both like, you know, as a community member of the literature world to understand better how uh, you guys are thinking and implementing this particular aspect of the equation. <laughs> My own personal view, which I think is also a kind of a book view, which is that, I mean, I think writers have, have got good a lot of different options today and i think that is a good thing and that is something that is being the result of the digitization of the publishing world and it's of course it's not finished and it's not perfect but if you are a writer these days you know i mean 50 years ago unless you had an agent and knocked on the door of a publisher and you were lucky enough to be accepted and find an editor who understands your work and likes you and of course that still happens today that was one very good way to get published That still works today and that really works for some authors. That's great and it's the right decision, but there are other ways to publish. And I think it's good to have choice as a, as a writer. It's good to have those options. And I think, you know, Bookwire is kind of, in a way, we're kind of neutral because we, I mean, we work with publishers, but we also, we know that there can be more than one way of working. So Creatokia is there for publishers as much as it is for anyone else. And, and we, and we think and we know that it will be embraced in different ways for writers. It's about choice, I think. And that's hopefully something that we're helping. And we'll definitely, you will, as a writer, as I said, it's still an early stage. Writers will definitely be able at one point to uh, publish their NFTs or works associated with NFTs on Creatokia without a publisher. But it's not, I wouldn't say the mission is then to kind of make the publisher obsolete because, I mean, we live, as we said, in a world of, if you have your free choice, it's a free, you know, you can publish whatever you want, wherever you want. And there are tons of authors, creators, bloggers that don't need a publisher that just put out their stuff and some of them are well really successful with that and make more way more money and have way more reach uh, and influence than they they'd have with the publisher but i think it's not a black and white thing you know it's really um there is a lot of value being put in the system by publishers and i don't want to look at publishers as the problem i would look at publishers as one very, very crucial aspect of the publishing ecosystem, like authors are. So there will always be publishers and authors doing things together. There will be authors because of the democratized tool landscape and the, the internet, basically. Can, you can publish yourself. I'm not on a mission to disrupt something that doesn't need to be disrupted. I like having more opportunities in life and helping, well, stories to get out there. I think that's, that's what it's all about. But it's, it's really for everybody.
I think you made a really good point and it made me think about how innovation comes from the understanding that nothing is obsolete, but redefined. And so you really touched upon that we're in this change cycle where things don't need to be disrupted, but just need to be redefined in order to work, you know, and continue to add values with the tool that we're discovering. Exactly. And I think that that's what like the end of the gatekeeper century maybe uh, has proven because it's not about like gatekeeping it's about adding value and if you have a great collaboration with a publisher i know tons of authors who love their publishers who love being published with a professional publishing house where the publisher adds a lot of value and this will still be there and there are others that will publish directly and that are successful there are millions that publish directly and that don't have success that are not being heard by many people so i think it's just The world has very many opportunities to publish and and publishing NFTs and maybe doing this on Creatokia is one more option. Well, looking forward to see more of your journey. Thank you. Thank you again. Great to have you and wishing you all, all the best of luck for the future. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was great to be with you guys today. So Jens, I think it was really interesting talking to to Nesma. And I think now that we've kind of come to the end and we're wrapping things up, what I love so much is that in this show and in this series, we talk to many different people uh, and everyone's kind of approach to NFTs and I'm not uh, is diverse. And I don't mean even because they have a different expertise, whether it's UX or legal stuff um, and what their roles are, but just an outlook. And we've It's what's nice is that we've always asked a little bit about our guests and where they, why they're coming into this kind of NFT world and what's driving them a little bit. And I think Nesma's story has been particularly interesting and kind of different in a way. And it's very multi-layered. And we got to hear about her, her growing up and her childhood and in very different kinds of, yeah, value systems she was talking about. That's one of the things that I keep thinking about. And I'm thinking about a lot of the things we just discussed because we just literally stopped recording with Nesma and now we're kind of doing the wrap up it was really fascinating, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way she looked at culture and community and then also technology, I think that that was very inspiring, very diverse and interesting talk. I'm glad that we somehow well had this episode and adding a, a perspective that uh, was very interesting i think so i think that's a motivation to maybe reach out to even more people that have a, a different perspective on, on nfts because i think we all know that we don't know so exactly where it's all going to go so it's it's really good to talk to more people and and get their views so i i really liked it and I, i'm happy we had nesma on the show and uh, looking forward to have like more interesting guests in the future Absolutely. And so finally, as always, I just want to thank you, the listeners, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it as well. Please like us on Apple and Spotify and uh, give us some great five-star reviews if you've been enjoying the series, which we really hope you have. Um, it's really important to us that, that what we do is kind of useful for people trying to understand this world of NFTs. And please keep your comments coming on Discord and check out creatokia.com uh, where you can sign up to the newsletter and stay in touch with all the latest developments that we're working on. So yeah, I think it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me too. Bye, Jens, and uh, see you, see everyone next week with John. Okay, Back perfect. in the seat. Until then. Take care, everybody. Take care. Bye. <laughs>